0: Bali. Hey, Patrick Hines. Oh my goodness. Okay. First things first, we're getting a ton of requests for a ghost check-in. Is there one? Well, there was one that we had a few weeks ago that we had to cut for time. But basically, the most the most like recent thing that happened was a few weeks ago. I put this on Twitter, so some people will know about this. I came out of the shower, and Daisy was hiding, which she is wont to do. But normally, after like a minute of calling her, she'll be like, I'm here, Daddy, I'm here. Uh-huh. And I found her in the hall closet, and I opened the closet, and she was sitting with her back to the door. And I said, baby, what are you doing? She said, Daddy, I'm hiding. And I said, why? And she goes, because he's coming. Stop!
1: <laughs> I swear to God. Because who is coming?
0: So what are we doing today?
1: We are doing the life and death of Marsha P. Johnson. Which
0: I am so excited about. And in a way, I feel like honored to be bringing the story of my people to our people.
1: Amazing. I'm so
0: happy that we're doing this. And so Jillian and I wanted to say... You guys, Jillian is the funniest. It's why you listen to this podcast.
1: Well, I was going to say, it's mostly me. Yeah. I, I This is, it is very important to me that we get that out. That we as- get
0: this little disclaimer. So listen. This this film, this documentary focuses very much on the LGBT community mm-hmm. and uh, and the trans community within the LGBT community and telling the story of sort of the trans movement and this murder that happened. And we are coming at this from a place of love. However, we are going to do our thing. I'm requiring Jillian to still make me laugh. She's a little bit nervous that she's too white and too straight. And too
1: cis. Like, I'm just sis. like a straight girl who likes guys. <laughs> like, I just, I'm, I'm, I love this community so much and I feel what you feel in the sense that like I'm happy that we have this medium and we get to talk about it and get the word out and I'm so excited and thank you for letting me be here to do it but you yelled at me.
0: I was like girl Marsha and Sylvia our two heroes of this documentary are looking down on you and with a cocktail in one hand (laughs) and like a cigarette in the other and they're like bitch you better bring it.
1: They are right. Yes.
0: Okay. So promise the listeners you're going to be funny.
1: Well, I will do what I do. I mean, I can't like turn it on whenever I want.
0: <laughs> if you hear us this. laughing, the idea is that we are laughing with, and they, and honestly, that's how we approach every one of these documentaries. We we're always laughing with.
2: I want to say it was the fourth of July. We were going to meet at midnight, but she never showed up. She was in danger.
3: I was there when they pulled
4: her up. Marsha was so full of life. Marsha P. Johnson was the Rosa Parks of the LGBT movement.
3: Darling, I want my gay rights now.
4: Her case has been cold for 25 years. I'm calling from the Anti-Violence Project here in New York City. I want to try to give Marsha justice. Marsha! Marsha! Street people and the drag queens were the vanguard of the movement.
3: Stonewall. Marsha and I fought the cops off. We were in the streets
4: turning over cars. The movement started the next day. Marsha was famous all around the world. But even famous people, cases go cold. This is her case. It's hard
0: for me to believe that she would commit suicide. A lot of people think it was a murder.
4: Marsha had a fear about the mafia something's wrong they keep on running into a brick wall you're a private investigator no don't play detective yourself
2: all right leave this to the people that should handle it Justin, Justin,
3: Justin, we want justice here Justin, Justin, to find out who the hell murdered
2: Marsha!
0: okay so the, the the crime at the center of this of this documentary is the murder of Marsha P Johnson who is it was it like the famous famous drag queen from the village um, and we're calling her drag queen she called herself a drag queen I think she may have been trans but they say drag queen right
1: yeah they say you were explaining to me that back then because
0: in the Stonewall era and, yeah. and you guys you don't need to know what Stonewall is right this second just know that it's like the birth of the LGBT movement it was a riot at a bar in 1969 but they do cover it in the film so we'll get yeah, there yeah we'll get there Um,
1: but they didn't call themselves transgender then they called themselves queens yeah Uh,
0: so there is a difference between like drag queens and trans people people obviously mm-hmm. and I i don't want to speak for anybody but I think that like Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson and a lot of the people at the center of this movie would consider themselves trans but they sort of, it, they go back and forth between referring to themselves as trans and drag queens
1: and you, uh, this is also a time everyone where the word tranny and transvestite is used, used
0: by the community, by
1: the communities you describe themselves,
0: this is so funny because these are our people and we're so afraid of doing, of being, offended. like it's the first time both of us are like talking in circles trying to explain (laughs) away how how like not bigoted we are i know you guys i couldn't be gayer you guys have you listened to this podcast came out of my nose i know it's glittery it's just
1: oh there's glitter it's all over my hair now
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so the murder of marsha p johnson happened or the death i guess we should say Mm because we it's not been it's never been ruled a homicide happened uh, on July 6, 1992, Marsha P. Johnson's body was pulled out of the Hudson River. Mm-hmm. A lot of eyewitnesses said that they saw like she had a hole in her head. Mm-hmm. I was there when
3: they pulled her up. Yeah? Where did you see her clothing? Where did you see her clothing? Look, right over there. She was like about this right there, let's say. And the so head was pretty up pretty pretty and the feet out. were down. She, she wasn't floating flat. She was floating down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she had a hole in her head.
0: Um, and right away, I think it was ruled a suicide. And, you know, as you'll hear, Marsha P. Johnson was like the happiest, you know, like most selfless person in the world and had no reason to commit suicide.
3: Everyone knew Marsha. Marsha was so full of life, right? It's hard for me to believe that she would commit suicide.
0: So right away, there's a lot of questions from the community about... The, the truth about whether she committed suicide. Right.
1: And she always said, and everyone knew, I mean, there was still so much work to be done. Yeah. So there's no way she, right. would, she would give up on this movement that she was at the helm of. There's just no way. And the
0: major problem here is that, you know, at some point somebody says, I think our friend Chelsea, who we'll get to... Mm-hmm. Um, actually says that like Marcia can't even be understood in
3: 1992
5: without the context of dead trannies were literally washing up on the street I mean lying there dead and no interest shown whatsoever in doing a damn thing about it you know drag
0: queens transvestites trans people were washing up on the shores were just being found dead in the streets and the cops just didn't care so they were much more quick to rule the death of one of these marginalized people a suicide than they were to spend the time like investigating an actual potential murder because they just didn't care right the sixth precinct, which is like the precinct that covers the village, is like right on West 10th Street, like mm-hmm. right in the heart of the West it's, Village. I mean,
1: it could not be in, on a gayer block.
0: No, and like think about these, like <laughs> think about who were cops, especially like in the 60s and 70s. It's like middle-aged white men, you Italian, know. Italian, Irish. Right, and you have all, like you have this precinct that sort of had to take care of this this neighborhood in New York City that was all like gay, mm-hmm. lesbian, drag queens, trans, trans people. Yeah. And just like the, the lack of the ability to communicate on both sides is just unbelievable. They
1: couldn't be any farther more apart. Different.
0: Okay, our hero in this movie, one is of our heroes, one of our heroes, Victoria Cruz, Miss Vicky. Can, <laughs> the thing about Victoria Cruz, so she is a woman who works for the Anti Violence Project in New York City. She's trans, mm-hmm. and take it away, Jillian.
1: I love her. I love her too. She is just—I don't even know where to begin. So she is. Do you Native want to begin American. with the titty
0: pictures from the sixties?
1: Oh, I loved those pictures. <laughs>
4: this is my beach outfit when I had the body. x rayed
1: Well, yeah, we're jumping ahead, but eventually she shows us photos of her in drag from the 60s. And every, every hair is in place. Yeah. It's so glamorous she and beautiful. She says that she
4: used to like, work the runways in New York City. I just love the stage. I used to do the catwalk in the city till they found out I was trans. And then I got booted out.
1: She oh. was so tiny, she had a 24-inch
0: waist. I was like,
4: okay, Victoria Cruise, Cruz, we get it. You don't have to rub our nose in it. Back in the 60s, it was against the law to be dressed in drag. I was very fortunate that I was small and petite, so I really wasn't detectable. I was very careful not to get arrested. I had a 24-inch waist.
1: <laughs> then she shows us naked pictures, and we're like, we get it. <laughs> You were like itty bitty and whatever. Um, she's amazing. She's Native American. Mm-hmm. She is on it. Yeah, Don't stand in her way. You guys also
0: um, every time she gets in an elevator, she uses her cane to press the button.
1: That cane. She works it to no end. And she has these adorable interns from the Anti-Violence Project who just want to help her with this so I know. badly. I know. So when we meet, uh, they call her Miss Vicky. So I'm going to call her Miss Vicky. So when we meet Miss Vicky, she is really telling us this sad story about how there are many so many murders of trans women, and these cases go cold because, like we were yeah. saying, the cops just didn't care, ruled them as suicides or whatever. And she says this heartbreaking and beautiful thing.
4: But there's a massive number of trans women who have been murdered, and their cases have just gone cold. And they're yelling out from their graves for justice.
0: She wants to solve the Marsha P. Johnson case, right. which now we're like in 2016. Whatever, it's 25 years that this case has been cold. Right, and she wants to solve this one final case before she retires. Right, it's a very convenient framing device for this documentary. Yeah, most
4: of the more unknown, but even famous people cases go cold, just like Marsha. Marsha was famous all around the world. Her case has been cold for 25 years. If we can bring justice for Marsha, how can we bring justice for all these other unsolved cases?
0: One of the things I'm obsessed with about this movie, and I have spent, I've lost hours of my life on YouTube looking for like archival, just old footage of New York City.
1: I can't believe how much footage is in this documentary. That is
0: largely due to hoarder Randy Wicker.
1: Tell us about Randy (laughs) Wicker.
0: He's largely featured in this documentary because he was, Marsha lived with him in Mm -hmm. Hoboken. Randy, I've actually been to this guy's apartment because in my previous work is like a amateur gay historian. I, I interviewed Randy at length because Randy's very important to the movement. Sure. He's been around from the beginning. Yeah. And so he's got all this archival footage and it's used throughout the movie mm-hmm. um, so Randy is important because he lived with Marsha for 12 years but he also becomes more important later as we get to oh, like yeah. the theory of the crime oh
1: yeah yeah. can we
0: take a quick break and talk about um, the drunk guy that finds Marsha on the pier
1: so we have to <laughs> I will not go forward if we don't discuss that
5: Marsha Johnson queen of the village one of the great pe- this is one of the most courageous people in I've always loved people. I always wanted to put on dragon. I never had the courage this is one of the people that has the courage and bravo for for him her, whatever he wants to be.
0: So we see this old footage. One of the ways we're sort of introduced to Marsha P. Johnson back in the day is like through this, it, this video of this guy, Humpty Dumpty. Who is
1: just saying in his heart I know the nicest things about her
0: yeah.
1: and he's just saying like he keeps calling her he doesn't know if to say he or she right and he's like if he wants to wear men's clothes he wears men's clothes if he wants to wear women's clothes what do you do you wear women's clothes
0: and not only that he doesn't give a shit whether he wears men's clothes or women's clothes you know and Marsha finally has had enough she's like
1: how do you know and yeah she's like you don't know me what are you talking about
5: <laughs> you how do know you know woman- all this he feels like wearing you roller skates or wearing roller skates or whatever
1: and it's proof of like just how known she was in the community. She was yeah. famous. And the fact that he was like, I'm this age and you are inspiring me to live who I am. Right. And she's like, you don't know me. Like, it's just <laughs> it's just a perfect uh, explanation of like what was happening at the time and how yeah. famous she was. Well, so on that
0: front, one of the first things that Victoria does in investigating this crime is she goes to see Marsha P. Johnson's family. Mm. Now this is amazing because as a person who like knew about Marsha P. Johnson, I never imagined her her family where she comes from. Right. So she goes to Elizabeth, New Jersey and finds the Michaels family. So uh-huh. she talks to Marsha's sister Jean and Robert.
1: Well Marsha was born Malcolm Michaels. Yes.
0: And they have this beautiful moment where, you know, Victoria sits down and she's kind of like, How much do you know about the murder? And they're like, We don't know anything.
4: What do you know about the case? I, you don't. I really don't know anything. Don't know all anything. we know is that, you know, they found him in the river. That's all we know. We really don't know anything about that.
0: But then she has this moment where she's saying, She,
4: he, she yeah. wants the family to be comfortable and she doesn't know what they want. See, that's what we're investigating because um, we have eyewitnesses that report seeing him, her. Uh huh. What do you prefer, me? For me to call, um, that doesn't matter. Okay,
0: okay. Because you know, like these are definitely not people who seem like like they know the gay community. Maybe they do. I have no idea, but they certainly don't know what Marsha was to the gay community. They
1: even said that she would come home and be like, "Well, I was hanging out with Andy Warhol," and they were like, "No, you weren't." Yeah. And then Miss Vicky's like, "She sure was."
4: <laughs> Anything you did, you have you laughing. When he used to tell us stories, we didn't believe him. I tell him all you're lying. You didn't know Andy Warhol. You didn't know those yes, people. Yes, she did. She knew a lot of famous people. She was famous herself. But the best part of
0: the whole thing is when Marsha's brother is like, oh, he couldn't sing. And then we have the footage of Marcia actually <laughs> <Jaleen Chase>. singing. <laughs> singing. <laughs>
1: Marsha did a lot of other things
0: really, really well. I will say, too, that Marsha had perfect teeth.
1: Yeah. She, and she knew how to throw an outfit together, let me say. No. You know that she was the best dressed person in any room ever.
0: Totally. Totally. It's true. And like, there's like this scene of like Randy like showing this closet full of clothes he's bought for her. Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah. Did you see the fur coat I got her?
3: There she is. It's America. Well, tomorrow morning
0: I'll give you the breakfast sheet when I'm fixing breakfast for you. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah. she keeps talking about like making him breakfast. I'm like, you guys, you guys have the weirdest living situation. Oh,
1: that's one of my favorite parts though. When it's about Valentine's Day, yeah. where she's like, "Prepare your heart for heart failor- failure, failure, <laughs> because you will be gagging." I'm
3: gonna, I'm gonna put on my Valentine outfit. I love it. And you're gonna be gagging. Yes, you're gonna be gagging.
1: I'm like how do you not want to hang out with her I know she just exuded she was full of life and love and there's no way it's a suicide garbage people no way it's a
0: suicide it's just not so on that on that garbage people note one of the things so when when um, Victoria goes to Randy's apartment you know Randy's a hoarder one of the videos Randy has in his possession is of the march for justice for Marsha
1: yeah right after she her body was found the community rallied right away they wasted no time so there's all this footage of them like shouting out police officers and chanting do your job do your job job, 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 job. and it's so tragically beautiful to see this community like I hate that it happened but everyone together was just peacefully might I say (laughs) what is
0: insane is like one of the guys is like screaming yeah and he's like four inches from the cops I know and the cops are literally just like another day at the office
5: we want jobs. Why you fucking people are standing here not doing your fucking
0: job. Again, it's like these like, middle-aged white men with mustaches being like, what are we, what's happening here?
1: Yeah, it's like, yo, I just want to get home for Sunday dinner.
0: <laughs> I don't think that it's
3: possible for you to schedule a meeting that will resolve this problem to your satisfaction
0: today. I don't think that's possible. That? Okay, girl, are you ready?
1: Yeah, I think so. <laughs>
0: Who do we meet next? Ms.
4: Sylvia, Sylvia Rivera.
1: Rivera.
3: My name is Sylvia Rivera, and I'm given permission to have this
0: filmed. Sylvia Rivera, first of all, needs her own goddamn documentary.
1: Yeah. Yes. Where's that? I don't
0: know. But can you tell us everything? I need to hear your take on Sylvia.
1: Well, Sylvia. Well, we first meet Sylvia <laughs> in footage that was two years after Marsha's death. Yes. So, so 94. Sylvia is not doing very well
0: She's she's got some rough living
1: at first you see her and you're kind of like oh boy here we go like that's just you're just kind of like mm. and then as she does
0: kind of look like your best friend's drunk aunt yes you know what I mean who's
1: like oh she has the best stories right <laughs> she would totally sneak you alcohol yo
0: and cigarettes and like a
1: coke can yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's like rum and coke in there that or jack and coke or whatever like she that's went...
0: Sylvia so you see and you're like oh boy who's, what's what's with this one but then she
1: tells these stories <laughs>
0: It's so funny because I know that person as a, as like a historical figure so well. Of course. So it's, a, I'm so loving hearing you not having that knowledge. Yeah. It's amazing. Cause to me, she's an icon, but to you, right. she's a train wreck. <laughs> well,
1: by the end of the movie, I'm like, God bless this mess of a hero and an icon and someone who really like.
0: I know. I know. We
1: have, you know, the, the, whatever. So yeah. anyway,
0: but then. But she is like literally smoking a cigarette. Like a
1: sort of leaning. leaning on. I'm like, she's
0: going to catch her hair. Fire.
1: And then she tells these stories about how the friendship between her and Marsha.
3: When I met Marsha, must have been like 12 years old. She was like a mother to me. Marsha was an icon of the gay movement. Marsha was known through the world. Marsha and I, we were the liberators. The street people and the drag queens were the vanguard of the movement. We're the ones that stood the forefront and fought the cops off. And we're the ones that didn't mind getting our heads bashed
1: in. She says things like, you know, well, we didn't mind getting our heads kicked in. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is... Hold on a second. Like, joke's over. She's going to go in on some crazy shit that they did.
0: So what she goes in on, this is where we get the background on the Stonewall riots. This is insane. Stonewall was a very
3: nice... Campy little bar owned by the mafia, you know. Gay people were not allowed in bars.
0: So, right. So, anybody who doesn't know about the Stonewall riots right. 1969, here's the way the world worked back then mm-hmm. gay bars were illegal. It was against a lot of being drag. Mm-hmm. So, what the mafia did was they would go down to like the, like the bad part of town, which at the time was the village. Mm-hmm. They would find these like shitty like, run down venues, basically, mm-hmm. and turn them into gay bars. And what happened was, they, the, the gays, if you wanted to, like, gather and meet, you had to go to these mafia-run gay bars. And you would go to the door, and they would they would be horrible to you, and then you would pay money to go in, mm-hmm. and they'd serve you overpriced, watered-down drinks in, like, the grossest, like, they didn't have any way to wash the glasses they were serving you. Yeah. And then the cops, of course, knew what was happening and would get paid off by the mafia but every now and then they would come and raid these bars to make it look like they were doing their jobs. Of course. And so when they would raid the bars they would be horrible to the gays. They would beat them. They would take their IDs. If they took your IDs they would often publish your name in the paper. Now remember it's against the law to be a known homosexual. So, so if you worked for the police department the fired any sort of government job you'd lose your job. If you were mm-hmm. a teacher you'd lose your job and you'd have to register as a sex offender. That's it
1: insane. Could, the
0: bar raids could literally ruin your life. Right. Which is why stonewall happened in nineteen sixty nine, they had just had it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So they raid the bar this one night.
3: We danced, say my lover and I and next thing we know that the lights came on and Hey, we're being raided,
0: and instead of running into the night, people stayed, and they were like waiting for their friends to come yeah. out.
1: I'm getting like crazy chills. Yeah,
0: I'm giving hearing. a super abbreviated version of this. Yeah, but, there's like, so much more. You guys do a the lot research. Of reasons why the people didn't leave that night. Number one, there had been a bunch of raids that week, and people were sick of it. It was earlier in the night than it usually was. People weren't ready to go home. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful night. Judy Garland had recently had like died. I think her funeral was that day, so people were just kind of oh, sad. Shit. It was the first time people had the the balls to stay, and right. all of a sudden. You've got four cops to like three hundred gay people, and the and the and people just kept coming and coming and coming. Yeah. And you guys, it's a whole scene.
3: Molotov cocktails were flying, and I'm
0: like, oh my god, the revolution is here! Thank God. And like at one point, it's described when Marcia describes getting there. She's like, Sylvia was across the street in the park having a cocktail. When I got downtown, and played some i buying. Them. They'll be rearing
3: them open in the park having a cocktail. And we were in the streets turning off
0: cars and oh my god, blocking traffic and screaming and hollering and everything. They lock the cops in the bar. They overturn a cab. Yeah.
3: You've been treating us like shit all these years. Uh-huh. Now it's our turn. It's a it's a
1: Full on right it's, it's crazy yeah. And you know what Sylvia might not Remember it too much Because she was spaced out On black beauties And scotch
3: <laughs> I was spaced out On black beauties And scotch
1: So I'm sure The next day yeah. Again probably over Like Bloody Marys right. Or for you know Drinking their yes. breakfast um, <laughs> She got some updates On like What a fucking Badass she was The
2: right. night before
0: Well cause she literally Says and the, and the gay rights movement Started the next day I mean there was A lot of bloodshed That night
3: and the movement started the next
0: day. Yeah. Now, two things to know. Number one, the people who, like, stayed at Stonewall and didn't run into the night were the drag queens Mm -hmm. and the homeless people and the street kids. These were the people that the gay rights movement owes their everything to. Everything. Because the the white guys like me ran home because they (laughs) wanted to get to their fucking bank jobs in the morning and not get in trouble. Right, right, right. The other thing you need to know is that the Stonewall is still open, and their tagline is come to Stonewall where every night's a riot. Okay, what happens next?
1: Well now we start meeting more people who are involved with Miss Vicky and the anti-violence project. And they tell us that after this movement started, Marsha and Sylvia really start focusing on the transgender issues that are sort of coming out of this LGBT movement.
5: After a while. I think they knew that they most had to concentrate on the area that no one was addressing for them and that only they could address and that was being transgendered.
0: I gotta say we hear this from Carla J., who is like this Carla J is a hero of the movement, but like I will say that in this movie she like she shows up in the shenanigans stop. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs>
1: there's, a, you, there's a shift. We're yes. just like, okay, but also I like, know. what like awful statistic is she going to tell us? <laughs> like,
0: oh, yes, she totally is here to tell us the horrible statistic. You're like, absolutely. I want right. to be back in Randy Wickers'
1: <laughs> closet with all the outfits. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: She totally looks like the person who would show up at the gay pride party with the bad news. And you'd be like,
1: hey, pass the black beauties in the sky. (laughs)
0: Carla J is a genius, she's brilliant. She went to Barnard College. She wasn't fucking around. Like And
1: you know what that's needed? Yeah. Because in in the midst of this like, you know, this these fabulous outfits and everyone yeah. having fun there, it really is like, hi. Right. There's a lot of tragedy <laughs> here and we need to talk about like how we can move on and make the world a totally. better place. Thank you, please. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. And and so we learn through this time that like Sylvia and Marsha really do step up to the plate to like they they found this organization called Star
4: Marsha and I one day.
3: We needed to do something for our own. That's where Star was born, Street
0: Transvestite Action Revolutionaries.
1: You guys. I know.
0: I know. It's basically a shelter for trans people in the fucking 70s. It's
1: like the True Colors Foundation that Cindy yes. Lauper has to get trans and LGBT people off the, street. off the
0: street. Except they, they did it. this without, you know, 14 Grammys and a billion dollars. Like, they were, they were street people themselves and exactly. somehow they got the city to give them this building. They
5: helped those who were in the street just trying to live their lives. And a lot of them got on that street and ended up hooking
3: or hustling um, to make a buck and they sometimes had no place to stay. Marsha and I started Star House to keep the kids off the streets, get these kids get their things together.
0: You hear Carla J talk about like, you know, how like Sylvia, how like Marsha was like fun and fabulous, but Sylvia was like serious. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Sylvia was always very outspoken. She was unrelenting. She was, uh, Sylvia was very in your face, very intense eyes. A slash of a mouth, a guttural laugh like Marlena Dietrich. Sylvia was quite the serious one.
0: We've talked about this a little bit in this episode, but one of the things that's highlighted over and over and over again is sort of how these street people and these, they call themselves transvestites and trans people were the people who like literally didn't mind getting their heads kicked in. Literally were the ones that were like... And so when the when the the gay pride marches started happening the following year in 1970, like again the white men came in and like took the movement over. They didn't start the movement. They just like w- had bigger numbers and more money. It sort of comes to a head in 1973 at the gay pride march where they have their rally afterward. What happens is the movement wants to be taken seriously by the mainstream. They shove the trans people to the back of the line in the march. Yeah,
3: honey, they took and pushed
0: all drag queens
2: way in back
0: the back. Like, honey, that was, that was not the right thing
3: to do. They don't care if you were there to begin the gay movement, demonstrated in drag and stuff. They don't care.
0: And then they didn't want to let Sylvia speak at the rally. And Sylvia's like, fuck this. I'm going to wait all day and find a time to speak. And Sylvia gets up there and talks, and she's basically screaming her face off. Well, about- she's getting
1: booed, first of all. I've been trying to get up here all day. For
3: your gay brothers and your gay sisters in jail
0: that rape me every motherfucking week and ask for your help. That footage. Yeah, I know. So I looked up the real footage because I thought I was convinced that the filmmakers had enhanced the yelling and the booing and the screaming. And I've seen this video on YouTube. You can see it. You know, I've watched it a handful of times. They didn't. Yeah. The booing and the screaming and the jeering that Sylvia got that day is exactly as it's represented in the movie.
1: When I was watching it, I was like leaning forward, my like with my chin on my hands, like I couldn't couldn't look away from it and i couldn't believe what was happening and how just like raw and and strong she was in the and literally in the face of people
0: and what she's screaming is so important that people know which is that (sighs) you know people the gay people in jail they weren't writing to these other groups at the time they the men and the women were writing to star this Mm -hmm. trans organization because they knew that sylvia would get shit done right and they couldn't trust the the white men in the movement to get this shit done and they write star, not the women's group. They do not write women, they do not write men, they
3: write star because we're trying to do something for them. But you all tell me to go and hide my tail between my legs. I will not put up with this shit. I have been beaten. I have had my nose broken. I have been thrown in jail. I have lost my
0: job. I have launched my apartment for gay liberation. And she finally has this like heartbreaking moment in the end where she screams. Revolution now! <laughs> gay gay And then she goes home and, and you see 1994, Sylvia, talking about how she went home and slit her wrists.
3: I was hurt and I felt that the movement had completely betrayed the drag queens and the street people. And I felt that, you know, the years that I had already given them had been a waste. So I went home, locked up the house. If it wasn't for Marsha, I wouldn't be here right now. I got 60 stitches in this arm. She came home and find me, found me bleeding to death.
0: Yeah. And how had it not been for Marsha, coming saved her home and life. finding her, she found her, she got her to the hospital, and, and Sylvia Rivera would be dead. Yeah. Yep. And then she, Sylvia... Leaves the movement. She's going, she goes to Terrytown, and, like, she literally becomes, like, the trans queen of the suburbs. Of
3: course, you get the first strange looks. Hey, mom. It's like you become friends with everybody.
0: Can you imagine you buy a house in Terrytown, and then, Sylvia, like, Queen Sylvia Rivera moves in next door?
1: Throwing, hopefully, the best parties, <laughs> I'm sure.
0: Can you imagine, like, her key parties?
1: Ah! <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So Sylvia's now out of the scene.
0: She moves to Westchester. She's out for a long time.
1: And now we, we're, we let's go back to present day Miss Vicky. It, what comes to light is that there are conflicting witness accounts of when Marsha was last seen. So her body was found on July 6th, but people report seeing her both on the 2nd yes. and on the 4th.
0: But so Miss Victoria's going to get some answers.
1: She's going to try her damnest. <laughs> so she calls some retired NYPD cops. You guys, they were cops in the 70s and 80s and right. 90s. So let's just get, get ready. <laughs> so he, she calls this guy Daniel Massanova. Well, and this guy answers the phone. <laughs> What's the matter? What's the matter? What's up?
4: Uh, yes, may I speak to Daniel Massanova?
2: That's me. What's the matter? What's
1: up? And I'm like this I know who this person is like I this is so New York like I know what I can I could pick him out of a lineup I could do a police composite drawing of him I know this person I'm like related to people like that it's crazy what's the matter what's up. And she's like, um, hi. All she does, she's like, hi, can I speak to, yeah, what's the matter? What's up? Like, it's, it's always, like, there's some people, in New Yorkers especially, and, like, this guy's from Queens because they all are, in my mind. Emergency right away. If, if someone's getting a phone call, what's up? What's the matter? What happened? Who is it? What's the matter? So Vicky's like, actually, there is a matter, and it's that you guys didn't do your fucking jobs back yes, in the day. That's, exactly. that's what the matter is, mm-hmm. actually, Daniel.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm working on a reopen case. From 1992. Uh,
2: what was the name of the victim?
4: Marsha P. Johnson.
5: Are oh, you talking about the girl
2: off the water? Yes. Yeah, that was that was Jimmy A. case.
1: So she's looking for this guy, James Abreu. James (laughs) Abreu is also a retired cop. You know, you got to call him, whatever.
0: Oh, my God. So she's
1: calling and she's calling and there are dead ends everywhere. No, James Abreu isn't here. No, I don't have that number. No, I don't have this. Until she's like, hi, my name is... And she's so not... Like, she's just like really like pushing through. That is so frustrating to Uh make phone calls like that and have dead ends. And suddenly someone's like, yeah, hold on. Hey, Jimmy!
0: (laughs) He answers the phone. Payroll. (laughs) (laughs) Payroll.
4: I'm looking for uh, James Abreu. Yeah, hold on,
0: Jimmy.
1: Phone call. And her (laughs) face, she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Hey, Jimmy, (laughs) fuck (laughs) off." And we're all like, oh my God, it worked.
0: I know, she found him.
1: And you see her face, she like I know. shudders. a little. She's like, what? I know, I know. And Jimmy though, then Ugh. it's like, Jimmy wants absolutely nothing to do with anything yeah. and like yells at Miss Vicky. Can
4: I meet with you in reference no, to this particular case? Definitely not. Because? Because I'm, I'm retired from the NYPD and you're calling me at work. Can we meet outside of your job? No, definitely not. I don't want to meet in regards
5: to anything.
1: And then she calls back Daniel. What's the matter? (laughs) Daniel, what's the matter? And he's like, don't play detective
0: yourself, all right? Leave it to the professionals.
2: i got to give you a little advice. Don't play detective yourself, all right? Leave this to the people that should handle it.
0: Then she goes to the downstate correctional facility And and meets Kitty. Miss Kitty. Miss Kitty.
2: Victoria?
4: Miss Kitty? Hi. How are you? Thank you you so much for coming. Thank Um, you for allowing me
1: to come. Miss Kitty is one of Marsha's friends. I adore Miss Kitty. Miss
4: Kitty
0: is, you know Miss Kitty has got stories for days. Miss Kitty
1: is like six, six five. Yeah. She's incredibly tall. (laughs) She's super built. She's got long bleach blonde hair. Like in a ponytail. In a ponytail.
0: She's she's trans, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah.
1: Red lipstick. Uh Uh-huh. And she walks in and you're like, you know, first of all, you know she's not in a woman's prison.
0: Right. For sure she's not.
1: And you also know that she is, I think, holding her own, doing pretty well. Yeah. Did you see her arms?
0: Also, she looks pretty good. She's got to be old.
1: Like, and we don't know why she's there. First we, we have no idea why she's in prison.
0: It was some amazing. I she want probably
1: beat scene. the shit out of someone who <laughs> fucked with her.
0: That's probably true.
1: And good for her. That's probably and get true. get her out. Yeah. <laughs> she does not deserve to be there unless she did something terrible. <laughs> I just love her.
0: Now, here's the thing about Miss Kitty and Marsha. These people lived Hard. Victoria's there because Miss Kitty's one of the last people to be known to have seen Marsha alive.
1: Right. So Kitty tells us that she last saw Marsha on the 4th of July.
0: I
2: want to say it was the 4th of July. I ran into Marsha in front of the Christopher Street bookstore. It was broad daylight. She was in full drag. Yeah, she's like,
1: I'm pretty sure it was the Fourth of July, which which makes sense because most yeah. people d- did say July Fourth. It's yeah. just a few people who said the second. And yeah,
0: the, the... they were gonna go cruising the stroll at like midnight. I mean, first of all, the stroll, by the way, is the modern-day meatpacking district. <laughs>
1: and then she's like, you know, we were going to Anvil, which is like one of the clubs. And she goes, you know, the usual time, two, three, four in the morning.
2: We separated. We were going to meet at midnight, and we were going to troll the streets back and forth. And we were going to go to the Anvil, mm-hmm. like at the usual time, was 2 <laughs> or 3 a.m. But she never showed up.
1: So Marsha never shows up, and Kitty is worried. And, and she's like,
2: I never saw her again.
1: Yeah, but Kitty goes down to the stroll to look for Marsha. Yes. Maybe maybe that's where she is. Maybe something happened. Yeah. And what we learn from Kitty is crucial information. Yes. Kitty tells us that the girl's down at the stroll. And she's she gets a little, no pun intended, she gets a little catty. <laughs> she's like, oh, the butch queens are on that side, and then the other queens are on that. And I'm like, Kitty, write a tell-all book, please. <laughs>
2: was down by the stroll, the girl stroll, the the queen stroll was on that left side, on the right side, was where all the boys used to do their thing, the butch queens,
1: so then, what she hears from, I don't know if it's the Butch Queens or whoever, but someone <laughs> tells her that there was a car full of guidos, guidos, and people were warning Kitty, like, hey, like just so you know, everyone had each other's back yeah. at this at this time.
2: I remember the girls had put me on point. Miss Kitty, watch out. There's a car full of guidos. You know, around.
1: And there were a car full of guidos, and they were kind of menacing, and just yeah. people were scared of them. And somebody says that they saw Marsha get into the car of guidos. That car,
0: I, at some point later on in the night.
2: Later that evening, I heard that Marsha had gotten in the car again. She was like, child, we told her not to get in that car.
1: And then suddenly she was missing. Yeah. So that is, I think...
0: Crucial information. Very, very crucial
1: information.
0: So the next stop in the investigation, Pine Hills, New York. Victoria gets on a bus, Mm -hmm. gets off the bus on the highway.
1: (laughs) I was like, this documentary crew couldn't give her a
4: ride.
0: (laughs) And then she walks to the home of Rusty May Moore and Chelsea Goodwin.
4: Come on, come on,
0: girl. Yes,
4: girl. Oh, good to see you.
0: Rusty Maymore, lovely, welcoming, invited her right in. Chelsea Maymore,
1: little standoffish, <laughs>
4: not in a good mood. Chelsea, come here, girl. What's the matter with you? Give me a hug, baby. Blessed be, blessed be.
1: How you doing? Yeah, Chelsea is one of those is one of these people. I think who doesn't really care for all of this being brought up again I think it was one of those where she's like I don't know what to tell you and she's just like I don't have any information that Randy Wicker doesn't have
4: (laughs) (laughs) anything you may be able to tell
5: me may be very very helpful I don't know anything that you can't get better from Randy Wicker
0: and then like at every
4: turn like Victoria is so kindly is like but did you want to talk about the cops no
5: but maybe you can tell
4: me about the cops that were around during that time I really can't you can't no
1: Did you want to talk about this? Nope. I know. But I of course, like I, that must be a hard thing to want to talk about, and then yeah. there are cameras there, and you don't know, you know, they're in your she's home. She's obviously like an like,
0: introvert; like, she's just not having that. There's
1: nothing more intimate than this situation that she's yeah. going to tell about something that was illegal and had to be kept hidden, yeah. and people got beaten up for. And now it's like, hey, smile for the camera. Right, Is this right, lighting right. okay? And you're like, what? But you know who
0: did that to her the first time? Randy Wicker. Like a week <laughs> after her, after the murder, because yeah. they go on this like investigation. So now we flashback, and of course, because Randy's a, like a video hoarder, we have all this video of chelsea and randy in a van driving around what we now know as the meatpacking district trying to like talk to people and get information i want to park
5: the van you're gonna go talk to the girls you're gonna you're gonna be um out that back window with the camera close
4: the doors so the lights go
5: off
0: and we get a little bit of like cranky chelsea's backstory which is that like she was one of these trans trans queens, like, hooking in the meatpacking district, and, and they're driving around trying to find out if anybody has any information. But then, you know, she talks about the, the young girls out there, and they're trans women is who she's really uh-huh. talking about. Most
5: of these girls are underage. Most of them are more throwaways than runaways. And the older ones are people like me that started out when we were young. They're a survivor, young. then. Yes.
0: She is the last one of her generation. They either died of drug overdoses mm-hmm. or suicide or mm-hmm. they were murdered by Johns. like these people lived a rough fucking life. Super rough. You have your attitude, Chelsea. You earned it, girl. And a drink if you want. But please have a drink. <laughs> Take a drink and a black beauty and settle down for five <laughs> Just, seconds. Come on. OK, so now sort of like towards the end of the movie, we get to like here is the case that I think Victoria feels like is what happened.
1: Right. And we're looking at the mob again.
0: Right. With Let those... me explain a little bit about the Christopher Street Liberation Day March. So yes. that what we now call the Pride March every year. At the end of the March, there's a festival. and It's the Christopher Street Festival. And it's like full of like street vendors. And what you know is like those like street festivals in New York City.
1: Yeah, there's meat on a stick and everything's fried. And it's just right. that.
0: So Heritage of Pride, which is an organization that still exists, go support them. They ran the march. And then These other people ran the Christopher Street Festival.
1: It was Ed Murphy. Who who was was a
0: former bouncer at Stonewall. mm, So we know that there's a mob connection there.
1: And Red Mahoney. (laughs) Who are these guys from Dick Tracy?
5: (laughs) Right. The guys who ran the festival (laughs) were Ed Murphy, who who had been a bouncer at the Stonewall. And then his friend Red Mahoney. They worked for whatever part of the mafia ran the gay bars at the time.
0: So Randy Wicker is now on a mission. Mm-hmm. This is in the like the early 90s. He's on a mission to get control of the Christopher Street Festival back for the gay community because it's apparently generating all this money that the gay community never sees. Right. It's being run by the mafia. They were successful in getting the mafia out of the bars. Mm-hmm. They want to get the mafia out of out of this racket as well. And they want this control of it back. The Christopher Street Festival committee is widely rumored to be mob controlled. We're going to take this festival back.
3: We're going to run it for our community. Take back the day.
0: Randy says something about how, like, the Heritage of Pride had tried to get it back a few years before and had been threatened, and they were saying, Randy, don't do it. It's not right. worth it. Right, And then we see this video of Marsha.
1: Three weeks before her death. This is, this is the definition of chilling yeah. to me. Because she is talking about, we're wondering when the mob's going to come with the bullets. Like, everyone was she's very aware. She's Randy.
0: She's saying how, like, Randy is organizing this thing and how she doesn't want to be a part of it because she's like, that can get you killed.
1: Yeah.
3: My roommate Randy's out really epic people with, from the festival committee. I mean, he's doing this whole great big trip with all these um, organizations to change all these people around lately. Like, but you can get you murdered, you
2: know. Honey, I'm waiting until
3: they get a hold of you for taking their money away. Randy tried to put me in the middle of it. I don't mind. I tell him, I. So, uh, honey, we run to when the mob is going to come with the bullets. <laughs> uh, uh, I
5: understand you.
0: And so Randy is like on TV. He's like out loud and proud, mm-hmm. like saying, "Like we're going to do this. We're we're getting this." back and he's doing a noble thing like you should you the gay community should be receiving whatever money is made from that street festival
1: so miss vicky's like "Mm, no she takes her adorable intern she gets these call records from From the
0: anti-violence project
1: right and there's this call that was written down that we learn was not told to the police was not or told to randy or told to randy that is basically like if randy doesn't shut his mouth what happened to Marsha? Can happen to him.
4: It was a very chilling phone call, uh, particularly given the circumstances surrounding uh, Marsha's death and everything that was going on with the festival committee.
0: So, this was an anonymous caller calling the Anti Violence Project saying, Get Randy Wicker to stop.
1: Do you think this was a threat or a warning?
0: I think it was a threat because if mm-hmm. it had been a warning, the person would have left their name. I also think that in a better context, like if the police had done an investigation, right. this this message would, may have fit into a context that we would then understand it better a zillion percent. Because we're just looking at this one random message, and like we have no idea. I'm sure there is information to support one of those theories. Right. So this is when we find out that Roger, Roger McFarlane, who's another person who is known in the in the in the gay history books, mm-hmm. he said he
4: remembers seeing Marsha on. The 5th, at 4 a.m. in the morning on 22nd Street, he said that Marsha was kind of terrified and was being followed by two guys going west to the river. She
1: was being chased. Yeah. And she was terrified. she was terrified. And so she runs to the pier...
0: And that's where her body is pulled out right. the next day. The one thing I want to say about the pier is that back in in those days, in the 90s and before, there are many instances of bodies being pulled out of the river because men were down there like late at night, cruising for sex or doing whatever they were doing, and they fell through the hole in the pier. It was
1: dilapidated. I mean, it was disgusting it was and falling apart. It very unsafe
0: for you to actually be on that pier. Yeah. And people fell through the sli- the slits in the pier and died. Yeah. So it's not unreasonable to think that that could be what happened to Marsha.
1: Right. And now, so Miss Vicky gets a partial autopsy right. report. And then she, of course, is like, I don't fucking know what these words right. are. So they get... Michael Baden, who's an independent medical examiner. So he addresses the idea of people seeing the gash on her head, and he's like, well, when you're in, this is really... He
0: says definitively that there there was no... she was not beaten in any way. Could you rule out a violent assault?
5: Yes. There's no evidence there of violent assault. There was no injury, no impact injury to any part of her body. There was no fracture of the skull. There was no damage to the brain at all.
1: The hole in her head was, this is horrible, but it was just deterioration from the water, which happens a lot.
5: What about the hole in the head? Well, uh, the body gets injured after death uh, by uh, floating debris and all that. And the body starts breaking apart faster in warmer water. So what looks like gas on the left side is really just the peeling of skin. But it's just normal separation of skin.
1: And he said she either she was running and fell or she was pushed, but there was no she was not She beaten. was
0: alive when she went into the water. Yes. Yeah.
5: What we have here is an unwitnessed drowning. Uh, she went into the water while still alive and breathing. Whether she's pushed in, whether she's being chased and falls accidentally, we can't tell from the autopsy. That depends on the police investigation.
0: So that's kind of the resolution. So we see Vicky sort of put her package together and take it to the FBI. She does what she set out to do. She has everything. She's gathered all the, in- the information, and she leaves it for the FBI. Yeah. We then see <sighs> Sylvia Rivera— and this is brutal. It's 1995. This now, is horrible. If you've seen the, if you've been to New York City recently and you've seen the waterfront, it's beautiful. It's stunning. But up until like 2003, it wasn't like that. There, it was like a shanty town. So like uh-huh. all these homeless people lived there. And Sylvia Rivera, hero of the modern gay, th- by 1995, it was, she was pretty widely recognized as a hero. She's living, she built, a, like, she built a little shanty house.
3: How oh, long you lived here? I've been here since a week before Gay Pride Day this year. This is
1: my little house
0: she's completely homeless she's totally an alcoholic like she's mm-hmm. bad she's so skinny it looks like she's a, you look like the wind would blow right through her
1: yeah and she's not dressed the way she was she has a beard like she has scruff on yeah, her face yeah she looks awful and she came back to New York from Tarrytown after Marsha's death yeah
0: but she lost it she totally lost it be- she lost you it. know because of you know she's had a hard life and Marsha's being murdered or dying and, and I mean her situation is bad and to make matters worse We now see the news reports that they are going to be revitalizing the West Side, and they're kicking out all these homeless people.
5: The West Side Highway is due for a fix-up. It's been a long time coming. There are concerns about uprooting some people there. The homeless will be asked to move tomorrow morning at 8 a.m.
0: You literally see the cops going in and, like, kicking the homeless people And she's saying, like, get out out of my house.
3: Don't be going in my house.
0: Excuse me, don't be going in my house. So that's brutal. But then we see, like, she sort of gets it together, mm-hmm. which is, like, the most... Re- it's so redemptive at the yeah. end of this movie. Yeah, so Chelsea, Grumpy Chelsea, and Rusty Maymore have this, like, townhouse or whatever in Brooklyn where they have all of these, like, sort of homeless gay youth and, like, trans kids that don't have any... It's the, else the star to house. Yeah,
1: essentially it's the same thing. And they say to Sylvia, like, girl, you're not homeless. Yeah. Come home.
0: Right. We're they, gonna do oh my this. God, you're gonna make me sob.
5: She'd been homeless, and she'd been living on a pier and that sort of thing. And I said, uh, hey, you're not homeless. I got a place. As long as I got a place, you're not homeless. She didn't move in right away, but she started coming around, you know. She'd do some work in the backyard, do some work around the house and in, you know, in lieu of paying rent.
1: They say, like, no, we're all doing this and we're all going to continue to support each other. And really the only way we know how, which is to be a family.
0: And then Sylvia, like, kicks drinking, like, literally Cold, cold turkey. turkey and then she she becomes like an internationally recognized mm-hmm. they you know world pride is the thing that happens now every year um, and it's every like every year a different city hosts it and you know the year it was like 2002 or whatever oh no maybe it was two, whatever year it was it was in Rome and mm-hmm. Sylvia goes and she's like a celebrity yeah. people are so happy to have her there and they talk about her like living in this house in Brooklyn how she's like is mothering and she mothers these kids yeah. it really
2: gives me a great
3: pleasure to be here in representation of the gay liberation movement and the transgender movement all the way from the United States.
0: So Sylvia died I think she was like 50 in her 50s Yeah She died of colon cancer Yeah In and 2002 a
1: Beautiful rallies Just like what happened With Marsha yeah. And um, she was just really She went down in history As, yeah. as doing so much good For
0: Yeah that area movement. Over by the West Side Highway Is now called Sylvia Rivera Way
1: That's amazing I
0: know they gave her A street in New York City Ah. Uh, Girl, that was I'm so glad we did it. I am too. Yeah. Um, where can they find us? Truecrimeobsessed.com
1: on the, the internet.
0: On the internet. On the internet, <laughs> and
1: then on the Twitter at TrueCrimeObsessed.
0: No ED. No ED. Where can they find you?
1: At Jillian with a G, all spelled out like that.
0: Uh, you can find me at Patrick Hines on Twitter at Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram,
1: and you can find both of us in the True Crime Obsessed podcast discussion group on Facebook. Facebook.
2: You
0: have to join, you guys, in there every day.
1: Guys, the gifts and the memes keep them coming.
0: <laughs> also, the iTunes reviews, you guys, are almost at five hundred. I'm going to do a backflip. Oh
1: my god. Um,
0: you know what I think we should do next time? What? Let's do Tickled. Okay. Because everyone's asking for it, and it like it'll be fun. It's like actually Tickled. You guys, if you haven't seen this, it's a pretty cool documentary. It's not at all what you think it's going to be about it's a it's a true it's a it's a mystery it's good does that that work for you yes all right um you guys stay tuned for the outtakes and then we're gonna do our new thing that we're gonna do a palate cleanser after the outtakes we're gonna send you out with a peppy show tune
5: Woo! a dude in new zealand a reporter like happened across this facebook page some sort of organized sport of tickling (laughs) When did the video come back to get you? About a year, maybe a little more. said your family
0: better watch out. Like, direct threats. We're shooting
5: a documentary. I understand uh, what you think you're doing. I don't think that you're going to be able to find the answers that you're looking for. Just walk away from it. Unless we stop the doco, we're going to be
2: Unless you stop, we all are.
5: Jane O'Brien's a ghost. Nobody knows who it is. But there must be a way to find out, surely.
2: Not
3: here. If you want to stick your head in the last price, do it. The money's endless. I've never seen a stop coming, it's everywhere.
5: It's in the stop. <laughs> Tickle torture films, it's very sick. There's nobody to help me. But you become a real target, and believe me, it will be really ugly. I've had uh, a phone call come in, we'll kill you. It's, f- it's inside. We've been spotted.
0: Yeah, so, sometimes in the way that, like, gays will call themselves, like, the anti-gay F-word. Uh-huh. uh Which I almost said, but then I decided I saw
1: it, I was like, oh God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. We're on the roller coaster. We're just going up and up and up, and let's just see what I happens. I feel like the... F-
0: Can we take a second to talk about the 90s hair? I mean, just, like, the kid that's screaming at the cops, you see him from the front, and he's, like, so mad, and the camera pulls around, and he's got this, like, long rat tail. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the rat tail you know we talked about this in jesus camp a little i will never understand it i will never support it whoever that person is who they choose to be i support every single ounce of it yeah except the rat tail i can't i just can't get behind it
4: thank you for being a friend
1: And don't call me anymore. I'm retired. You're calling me at work. I'm like, well, if you're retired and you're at work, then stop it. Your story's full of holes already, Jimmy. Keep your story straight.
0: We meet a woman in Canada, Scott Peel, who's another one who's been around from the very beginning. Who
1: also has no time for anyone's (laughs) shit. She's got five minutes to talk to you and don't waste a second of it.
0: I used to, um, when I was in high school, this was my morning routine. I had to leave for school at 7. I'd get up at like 5. I would take a shower. I would pull my hair back into the tightest ponytail you could possibly imagine, hairspray it, (laughs) let it set. Then I would like eat my breakfast and have my tea. And then I would take my ponytail out and then brush out the hairspray so that my hair would stick straight.
1: With Indigo Girls blasting the entire (laughs) time, right?
0: And now for your palate cleanser, the original Broadway cast of Kinky Boots.
2: Just be who you wanna-
5: yet to make up their minds as people all over the world clamor for Kinky Boots! It's time for us to get back to work. But before we go, we would like to leave you with the Price and Simon secret to success. Alright,
0: now we've all heard of the 12-step program, have we not? Yes. But what you can do in 12, I want you to know that we all can do in 6. Ow! And it goes
5: like this. Come on.